Welcome in, everybody. This is episode number 63 of Patrick Jones Baseball. And on this episode, I take you guys through what exactly I've been going through the last few weeks and where I've been. Um, I've been coaching in the Great Lakes Collegiate League, and I am the hitting coach for the Lima Locos, living in Lima, Ohio. I am staying with our head coach, Jared Gaynor. Um, we take you through you know, what we've been seeing as first-year coaches in these past uh, few weeks. Um, Jared does an absolutely incredible job with our players. Uh, he actually made a specific program for each player from a lifting and conditioning standpoint in which he gets through um, and talks about in this episode. Um, it's been a lot of fun so far. We've learned a lot. We've made a few mistakes here and there, but it's it's overall been an incredible experience. Um, if you guys wouldn't mind, I would really, really appreciate it. It would just mean the absolute world to me if you could head on over to iTunes and rate and leave a review. Um, just leave a five-star rating, um, write a quick review of the show. It means a ton, and it really helps the overall rating of the show. So I would greatly appreciate that. Um, and here it is, our episode with me and our head coach, Jared Gaynor. We are live from Lima, Ohio. I'm here with my boss, Jared Gaynor. Uh, Jared, how's it going? It's going good, Pat. How are you? Uh, well, I'm doing pretty good right now, man. Um, for those who don't know, I'm out here in Lima, Ohio. I'm the hitting coach for the Lima Locos. Um, been out here for a few weeks now and think that I'm going to do a weekly episode every week. Um, Jared's making me. He wants to get on the podcast really bad. Um, Jared, for those who don't know, please give us a little bit of background of yourself. Um, everyone kind of knows, you know, my story of going to Xavier since this is my podcast. So, uh, just give a little background on you. Right. Uh, well, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona and 25 years old, went to South Mountain Community College for two years and then went on to play at George Mason University for two years, graduated there in 2014 and played indie ball for a little bit after that. And, um, been coaching uh, throughout the off seasons and coaching at Arizona Christian for a little bit and also at a high school before that and uh, now getting my first head get head coach job as uh, the Lima Locos manager. How was it uh, playing in the Atlantic League? You played Indie Bowl, Atlantic League, the top independent league. Uh, like half your team is usually big leaguers from what I hear. Um, what was it like playing in that league? It was just a good learning experience because, like you said, all the guys are so much older and are, are veteran players. I was one of the younger guys on the team, so it was just kind of good to be around veterans that had, that had either been in AAA or in the big leagues and had experience. So I've always been one of those guys that like to latch on to the, the more experienced players and try to take something away from them. So from just a pure learning experience, um, it was top-notch. Now, let's get into some Lima Locos baseball. So this is in the Great Lakes Collegiate League. Um, been here for over a week now been able to to see all the guys see what we can do as a team uh we're five and three overall um like i said i am the hitting coach and it just so happens that we're leading the league in every single offensive category um you're the boss am i doing a good job so far you're doing a good job and i'm the one making the lineup so okay. <laughs> so, but 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 i'm doing my i'm doing my job no, you're doing your part i'm the one that's slacking on the pitching side okay well 
Well, yeah, let's get into that. So why is pitching so so difficult? Because in this day and age, it's all about throwing as hard as you can. Well, that's the thing. Like for me, when I pitched, I was never a hard thrower. I threw 83 to 85 my senior year of college, but I was at least able to throw strikes, which gave me a chance at being successful. And uh, that's pretty much the main issue we have with the Locos right now is we have some guys that can run it up to 90, some of them low 90s, but we struggle with throwing strikes. And as you know, if you don't throw strikes, you're not going to do well. But how do you practice throwing strikes? I mean, that's kind of tough. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the hardest part about pitching. Like, velo, you can train velo to an extent. I mean, there's always – I mean, you can do weighted balls, get stronger, long toss. There's different things to do. Command-wise, some guys have it more naturally than others, you know. Like, like some people are more crafty and just have always been strike throwers, while other guys have just always seemed to be wild. So, it's – I think it's a combination of practicing command. Like, for me, when I would practice it – I specifically would have a target every time I was throwing. I wasn't just aimlessly throwing. So in my catch play every day, I would be aiming for a certain part on my partner's body to try to hit rather than just throwing. Um, so I think that's one of the problems. And then also the mentality can be one thing, your focus. But I don't think you can uh, blame it all on not being mentally strong because I know plenty of guys that are focusing and doing the, be the best they can to throw strikes and they still can't find the zone. Yeah, I mean, mentally is tough. I mean, I do throw batting practice sometimes and – uh, the yips definitely will come to you if you if you don't watch it. And I've seen you get a little get a little yippy on doing some soft toss too. Well, I was also doing that with my right hand. So well, I don't want to hear not, excuses. Let's not get now. crazy. Don't want to hear excuses. But no, you're right. Yeah. You, you get in the mode where you're just throwing, throwing, and throwing, and then before you know it, you're throwing one over their head or spiking in the dirt, and it's tough to find it again. Well, and and the thing is, is you, I remember as a hitter, you know, you're trying to get your work in, and it can be very frustrating if you can't throw a strike. So. As a hitting coach, I do understand that and, you know, want to make sure that they can get get their work in. I mean, but at the end of the day, though, here's the thing. Batting practice is all about feeling good. I've, I really do not believe you get better by hitting batting practice. I don't know how – I don't think you can say 45-mile-an-hour BP somehow translates into helping you hit 92 miles an hour. Yeah, no, I mean, we've talked about that many times. It's And that's exactly what it is. Like you said, it's feel-good rounds to get their confidence up is what a lot of people say for it. But I don't see how it can help you when you got a guy throwing 90 and then also throwing a slider with it. So, you know, it's it's more of, I guess, getting just a feel for your swing mechanically. I can see benefits with that. But over time, you know, especially in the summer, when we're playing every single day, I don't think hitting BP every single day at 45 miles an hour is really going to do much for them. When you're watching hitters, um, being a, a pitching guy, have you been able to like learn up, learn on anything so far this year, or like what, what's your kind of not just background, but what have you been able to kind of pick up on? As far as like mechanics, or what yeah, do you just mean? everything. I mean, you've been a pitcher your whole life, so now you're you know you're coaching hitters too, being that you're the head coach. Right. You know, I've always actually been really into hitting. I didn't hit in college, but I've always been interested in it, and I think there's similar movement patterns as pitching as far as with the lower half and separation so and also being a pitcher you know whenever I wasn't pitching I'd always be watching hitters to see how they reacted to certain pitches you can see hands drift forward or their body leak on certain pitches so just little things like that are big and you know with the guys we've been working with it seems like it's the barrel path that is one of the big problems with our guys a lot of them have coaches that are teaching them to be a little too steep with their swing and their attack angle is just a little off right now which is the challenge yeah that's one of the things that I've been surprised by is some of the guys who are coming in from schools who and again you know you 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 listen to the player but I, I haven't really talked to all the all the, the coaches and uh, what they're teaching but 
from the players that I've talked to, they're they're teaching kind of old school, and that that definitely worries me a little bit because uh, this is an era in baseball where you know we're trying to move forward um, as a game, and when you're still teaching stuff that's 20 years too old, you're not going to reach your full potential. So that can be that can be kind of frustrating. Um, but the players have been they've been pretty they've been buying in. I mean, it's tough. Um, I think that the most important thing, one of the things that I've learned is you got to get your players to understand that first and foremost, you care about them because um, you're not going to just listen to anybody, you know, when, when it comes to your, your mechanics, especially, I don't, I can only really speak on from a position player standpoint, um, unless you're like really, really well known. Um, so you're going to, you need some trust uh, in the, in your coach or whoever's trying to, make changes in your swing so that takes a little bit of time um you do an uh, an assessment on each individual position player and pitcher uh why do you do that i just think it's important to kind of have a background on you know what their limitations are if they have tight hips they're not they're probably not gonna be able to move in certain positions and we've talked about this before with swing mechanics specifically there, there's no perfect swing for one person because not everybody can move the same way so I think it's important for the assessment part as far as the movement and mobility stuff that I do is because now we can see what their limitations are and how their body moves now. And that's not to say that that can't change because obviously we want to improve it. So that's another reason why we do it. And then the, the second part of the assessment is strength-based to see how strong their upper half is and their lower half just to get baseline measurements and you know look for any correlations between power and pitching velocity and all that. I just I, I think collecting as much data as you can is important whether you have all the answers right when you do it or not I think it's at least good to you know collect that data and try to try to make conclusions from it yeah that's that's very interesting because I remember as a player I would always mess with you know having a leg kick and I can never figure it out now looking back I know why it doesn't work for me because I'm such a tight mover um so forcing something that you know isn't you is not going to work, and that's exactly what happened. It didn't work. Um, but is there any correlation though between you know lifting heavy and being able to to have a um, high exit velocity? Because I I've seen some really skinny guys who are pretty weak hit the ball far. So in a sense, is it really important to do any of that stuff? I think it's important, but there I mean there's always going to be outliers. You know, you'll always see a guy that's 160 pounds that can throw 95, and you'll see a guy that's 6'4", 220 that throws 85. You know, so there, there's no direct correlation. It's not like okay, I can I can squat 400 pounds and I can deadlift 500. I'm going to throw 90 now, or I'm going to be able to hit the ball 100 miles an hour. Um, and I think this is where pitching and hitting are a little bit similar. Because I think rotation is the key for both of them. I think the more efficient and the faster you can rotate, the more potential velocity you're going to have. Going back to hitting a little bit now, um, been able to, to really start working with a few guys specifically, maybe if some guys who are struggling. Um, one of the things that I've learned from uh, you know Eugene Bleeker at 108 and and um, Craig Hyatt as well, really especially giving me some ideas is how important PVC pipes are for hitting. You know, you put that you put a different object in your hand. Um, your the way your body works and your central nervous system and all that stuff you know you're you swing a bat so many different times with that same object that it becomes you know so used to you know that exact same movement pattern and to kind of mess with that 
you take that object out, which would be the bat, and place a PVC pipe in your hand, and then you perform different movement patterns or, or the movement patterns that you want, and over time, um, that will translate into the bat. Uh, is there anything like that for pitching? I guess that'd be, that'd be driveline, right, the weighted balls? Yeah, exactly. The weighted balls are creating certain movement patterns that you're not able to do naturally with the baseball. Um, just, just getting away from, like you said, like a, a bat, for example, you're using the same weight or the same bat all the time. Putting a different object in your hand allows you to, to feel different things and, and to be able to achieve different movement patterns. So that's the goal with the weighted balls um, that I do with the pitchers. And I do a similar program to driveline. We do a lot of the same drills that they do, and, and then just I'll add in a, a little, little stuff of my own if I think the guy um, needs a specific movement to work on. Uh, but that's exactly what it is. We're we're trying to to alter the movement by having a different weight in their hand. But well, but why do weighted balls work for some people and not for others? It's a good question. I don't know if there is an answer to so that. So I, I need to get Kyle Bodie on here to answer that. Yeah, he might be able to give you a better answer than I can. But I mean, for me. Like people, like when they do weighted balls, they, they think it's purely just to gain velocity. You know, like, yeah, that's great. You might gain velocity from it. But I think the main objective with doing all the stuff that driveline does, and Kyle would say this if he was on the show, or Matt Daniels, I know you had him on the show. One of their main, main objectives when they started it was just for pure arm health and arm care, which is exactly what they provided. They're a lot more than just weighted balls and throwing balls as hard as you can. You, you've seen the warm-up routine and the recovery stuff we do. I mean, we're, we're talking 45 minutes to an hour of, of stuff other than just throwing a weighted ball. Yeah, that, that is one of the things that, that I do like um, of the program you put together. And I think I have mentioned this before is um, I've been a part of summer teams in the past. I've actually played in the, in the Great Lakes League and in other teams as well. And I, I tell you, you've done a really good job from a player development standpoint. I mean, each, each player um, has their own um, program that you've made uh, custom for them. Is that right? Okay, custom for them. Again, this is summer baseball. Uh, you you have a passion, obviously, for um, lifting and things of that nature. Why did you think that was important to, to spend all that time doing that? Because it is summer baseball. Right. So, you know, a lot of word has been going around Twitter and social media about how summer ball isn't good. People shouldn't play summer ball. They just played in the spring. They should spend the summer just developing and doing workouts and getting stronger and all that which is true for some guys you know if you got a pitcher that threw 100 innings he probably doesn't need to throw any innings during summer ball but I think what we're doing here we're able to provide the best of both worlds we're able to work on things and develop them in the weight room because we have our own weight room next to our field which I don't think any other team in the league has and uh, it's a blue collar weight room too exactly it really is no windows no air conditioning 90 degrees in there it's you're in there to do work (laughs) no it is it is pretty pretty blue collar like I like I just said and I I love it I mean I I really do like you said you know nobody else has a weight room right next to the field like we do Um, each each player has their own workout I mean from a player development development standpoint I don't think any other summer summer team um, is doing it like us the one thing that I have seen a little bit of is dead arm I've seen a few guys come in who are throwing harder in the spring, and then they show up here, and the first time they throw, their velocity is way down. Um, is that correct, or why why are we seeing some velocities kind of dip? 
Well, I, we talked about this today with one of our new players that came in. He told me that he hadn't picked up a baseball in over a week, and he shows up here expecting to, to be able to throw every day without any pain. So to me, that's my only problem with summer ball is these kids think they need a break after their season, which is right, but the problem is they're not prepared now for the summer season demands, which is for our league playing six days a week, which is why we're having guys that are having sore arms because they're going from not throwing at all or throwing very little to picking up a baseball every day. You just can't do that. Yeah, but, it, but, is, but is dead arm an actual thing? Oh, yeah, I've felt it before. Um, it, it's it's weird, though, because a lot of people don't necessarily feel it when they first come back from throwing. A lot of people feel it after they have been throwing for a while and um, deep into the season they go through a little fatigue area for a while. But it's definitely a real thing. But what we're seeing here is kind of drastic, I, from at least from the velocities we were told from these players. I mean, we're talking some of them are 6, 8, and even 10 miles an hour slower, which to me doesn't make any sense. So I, some, think, you're, some, I think your radar gun might be off. Either my radar gun's off or we're getting false information about their velocity. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is weird. It, it, you know, it really is weird. Um, if you go back past couple, what's the, we'll say a week. We've been playing for a week now. Would you do anything different as a coach, your first-year head coach? Yeah, that's tough. Um, well, you know, we've already had a few incidents with some players, so I guess as far as that stuff is just early on, you know, setting expectations more clear. But, I mean, it's tough because, you know, kids are going to be kids. There's always always going to be problem players no matter what the team is. But I, I think I'm more of a laid-back coach, and I think we all are as a staff, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think it's it's a good thing for the most part. But there's always a couple guys that um, are going to take advantage of that, and I feel like we've already had to, to deal with a couple things early on that I didn't expect to. You know what? You know what my biggest problem has been? What? the post-game speeches. I am very, very bad at the post-game speeches. I never know what to say. And I think I've actually mentioned this before in the podcast during the high school season. I have a great amount of respect for the coaches who can somehow speak to their team for 15 to 20 minutes after a game about absolutely nothing. I just, I, I don't know like what, what to say. If I have, if I see something from an individual hitter, like I'll say that to them individually, but as a team, I mean, it's I'm I'm blank. I got I usually I just have nothing. Well, well, here's the thing though. Think back to when you were a player. Did you really pay attention anyway when the coach talked for 15 to 20 minutes? No. So you know, I, I think it's a good thing that we're kind of quick and to the point. I'm the same way. I, you know, what what am I going to talk about for an hour? You know, like you said, if there's a problem with an individual, if we see something, we're going to approach them individually. That's not the setting where we're going to talk about it. I think the team setting is more of just if you saw something specific, you know, on defense or, you know, a certain situation where we didn't execute it right, you might just talk about that and uh, try to prevent it from someone else doing it. But I, the, the coaches that just repeat themselves and go into it for 15, 20 minutes, I honestly think they're just wasting their time. Yeah, that's that'll never be me. We, we're actually recording this podcast um, in the basement of our, our host dad's uh, house, which is about 8,000 square feet. We have a movie theater down here. I'm staring at it right now. Um, this place is epic. I mean, when I think of Lima, Ohio, I don't think of like 8,000 square feet mansions with a, a lake in the back and a canoe and and all this other stuff. Um, you like this pad? Yeah, I think I'd be okay with staying here for a little bit. I'd be bit. okay. We got a ping pong table. We got an air hockey. Um, like I said, we have the movie theater. We got like 18 rooms in here. We're on a lake. We're on a lake. <laughs> um, private, you know, driveway, gated community. I feel like a movie star sometimes. And I tell you, I told you, I wanna, I wanna be in one movie 
tell you this all the time. I want to be in one movie before I die. I'd well, I would love to be like The Rock. Yeah, you know, you, you did say it the first time I met you. I think I asked you, what would you be doing if you weren't in baseball? And you said acting. So it's obviously a passion. I think you need to go for it. Well, I, you know, here's <laughs> the thing. I told my parents that, and they're like, well, why aren't you acting in plays and things like that? And that, and that's the thing. I don't want to put in all the work. I just want to like, show up to a Hollywood scene somewhere like uh, an action thriller and just be the star. Yeah, that sounds like our team with uh, being in the major leagues. Well, <laughs> well, you know, you you can dream. Now, this this town is pretty interesting. I remember the first time we were in Lima, we went out to eat at a breakfast breakfast place, breakfast diner, and we saw a baby walking in the road. Now, this was pretty pretty incredible, and it, and it, it was a little bit sad too. I mean, like I said, there was a baby walking in the road. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm standing outside taking a phone call, and I see this lady sprinting outside the door. I'm not really sure what's going on. I end up walking back into the restaurant, and you're just looking at me like, did you just see what happened? I'm like, no, what? And like that baby in the corner right there was just running across the street. And luckily that lady was able to see her. But, yeah, that was not a good situation. And the worst part was the cops came, and they, they knew who it was right away. But, I mean, yeah, it, you know, and it, looking back on it, obviously saying that there was a baby walking in the road, is funny to say, but very, very sad too. I mean, that, those parents should be in jail for 50 years for doing that. Absolutely. Um, let's let's go over a little bit of the, the actual games themselves. We started out in Xenia, um, did okay there. We started out in Xenia. Where no, we start no, out? No, Irish Hills. Where? Oh, remember the, the doubleheader, Michigan? Michigan? Yeah. Remember the seed incident? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, I remember that now. Yeah, that that was interesting. Um, you, when you think of summer baseball, you don't think of it being cold and rainy and windy, and that was our very first uh, day experience up at some random field in Michigan. Uh, the ugliest turf I've ever seen. I mean, the infield was turf and the outfield was grass, which I've seen many times before, but the color of the turf was just, it was awful. I mean, I think I actually took a picture of it. I'm not sure if I posted it or not, um, but that was that was just a brutal weird place oh yeah i mean they had stripes all over the infield i don't really know what they were trying to go for there but yeah that was an interesting experience i think it was like 60 degrees and like you said raining the whole time and, and then it got capped off at the end of it by getting chewed out by the head coach of the college for having a couple sunflower seeds on the ground well well you know he he did call me and he said you know son i'm gonna give you an earful now and i was like all, all right fine you know that's that's okay and he's like, he's like, no, 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 don't just okay me. Don't just okay me. And I was like, whoa, 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 why are you yelling? Like, we're just having a conversation. And ever since that point of our, of our phone call, I owned that conversation. And that's, you know, that's some good advice right there that I would take is never yell, be the bigger man, even though he's 30 years older than me. I'm 26. He's 57, I think. That's about right. But yeah, over some sunflower, like the sunflower seeds. What, what, what else was it? It was sunflower seeds and garbage, right? Yeah. And apparently, all, and apparently it cost thirty five hundred dollars to turn the heaters on. So when I went in the dugout and saw that there were heaters on, I thought, wow, these people are really nice. A, they have heaters, which is pretty cool, and B, they turn them on for us. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I had no idea that a couple of our players turned them on. Well, and, and then once once I, I found out the players turned them on, I was like, wow, these guys are smart. Right. Well, and they turned it off when we left. So I don't know what the problem is. What's the point of having heaters if you can't use them? That's what I figured. And that's what I was really 
that's why I, actually, I think I actually asked him. I was like, I don't understand why would you have heaters if you can't turn them on when it's cold out. That kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, well, didn't he give you a comment of, well, would you walk into someone's house and turn their lights on? Be like, yeah, if it was dark, I would. Yeah, absolutely. And the sunflower seeds, I mean, it's baseball, right? Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing, too. Yeah, we didn't spit them on the turf. They were underneath the bench on the concrete, and he took a picture of it and sent it to me. And I'll be honest, the first time he sent the picture, I didn't really know what I was looking at. I have 20-20 vision. I couldn't see very many sunflower seeds. No. no, the guy was just looking for a gripe. And then it got better. We have to pay $100, apparently, to play there again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently, if for us to ever play there again, we have to pay $100. And we, are, we, we will be playing there, like, once or twice more. Yeah, this Thursday. Yeah, this Thursday we'll be playing there again. Yes, we need a $100 fine, a $100 fee if we ever want to play there again. No shot in hell. But apparently he had to pay somebody an extra hour to clean all that up afterward, which blows my mind. That guy must have been using his feet because there was about five seeds on the ground. Yeah, that – hey, I mean, you got to hustle somehow. <laughs> uh, we ended up we, – well, what did we do? We split that day one and one, right? Yeah, we came back in the second game down by four in the last inning. One in extra innings with a position player pitching. That's just great coaching right there. Sure is. Um, ended up going to uh, – we went to Xenia. We traveled there as well. Uh, great setup. They gave us some great, great food afterward, which was, you know, if you give us great food, it's going to be a great experience. Absolutely. You give us just hot dogs like that place in Michigan. And like our home team does. Well, <laughs> that's, you know, that's the locos, baby. We, We're blue collar. That's we, all we eat. Oh, hey, I hot love it. Hot dogs and burgers. I love it. But anyway, we just got back from a place in Michigan – the worst field I've ever seen in my life. The mound was actually just completely flat, nothing. Um, fences were 285 down the left field line, 345 to center. Uh, we lost like 19 to seven. The other coaches arguing about balls and strikes or something crazy up by 12 runs in the eighth inning. That was a brutal. I had to pay for gas for the team bus on the way on the way there. That was the other incredible thing. We get on this bus knowing that for the next four hours we're going to be obviously, you know, on the road. And the bus driver yells, you know, says, you know, hey, can someone come up here? Of course, me being, you know, the, the leader in there, I was sitting right next to him. I said, yes, do you need anything? And I look at the at the gas, t- the gas tank. It's on E. The light's on. And he says, hey, did you guys bring the car to fill up the tank of gas? And did you, Jared? I did not. But in my defense, I was not given that gas car because it was supposed to be given to me by the owner, which he did not do. So I stepped up to the plate and I said, you know what? This small little $175 ain't nothing to me. So I actually paid for the entire gas, the entire trip, um, myself, $175. And yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just that's that's that is being a team guy. That sure is. And, you know, I picked a good day to forget my wallet, too, because I actually I would have done that. But I, I literally forgot my wallet in my car and I never do that. So but it gets better, though. We we stopped for to go to the bathroom and get snacks at a gas station literally 20 minutes before this. And the guy didn't think to look at his gas and think, hmm, we might need to fill up right now. Yeah, I mean, he. uh I'm not. I'm not sure what was going on there. I I will defend him a little bit. He was a nice guy, but you can't be. You you gotta you gotta step it up a little bit. You can't just wait till we're in the middle of absolute nowhere and say, "Hey, can you look on your phone to see if there's a gas station with the next ten miles?" I don't know if we're gonna make it or not. Yeah, if that's not summer baseball, I don't know what is. But we played that same team that ended up beating us after all that. After I 
paid $175 to get us there. They beat us 19-7. to The next day, we played them. We won the game. Uh, baseball gods. I just like to say baseball gods. You do the right thing, and the baseball gods will take care of you. That's right, and that's what he did tonight. He did tonight. Um, anything else you want to add to this episode, Jared? We're going to be on the road later on this week. Is that right? Oh, yeah, we're going back to our, our $100 fine Michigan yeah. place. We're home first, though, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Home first, Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, I'm going to go uh, drink a couple beers, watch this uh, movie theater, put a movie on, maybe play some ping pong. Um, it's you know tough life out here in Lima, Ohio. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of your, your week. We got Bronson Arroyo coming on Tuesday. Jared, anything else you want to add? I'm just excited for that Bronson Arroyo episode. And you won't even let me get a sneak peek. I live with you, and I got to wait till Tuesday, just like you guys do. Yeah, I treat everybody the same. That's, you know. And that's what I like this about day, you, in this, in this day and age, especially, everybody is treated exactly the same, whether you like it or not. Amen.